0: already been a joy to be here and listen to the music and watch the children. As a pastor retired, I've always labored under the conviction that pastors often get too much credit and lay people do not get enough sometimes. I look at all this wonderful decoration and I bet there wasn't a preacher in sight when this was going on. Uh, But uh, Somebody spent a lot of time, and we're thankful and we will pray for these folks as they uh, begin vacation Bible school, and that the Lord will tenderize the hearts of children to receive His Word. I want us to look at Psalm chapter 90, and let me say, as we're looking there, I have one or two or three friends that I haven't seen in a long time, and they're here today, and I am blessed by their presence. And today, we're glad that you are here. Psalms 90 is a unique psalm, and by that I mean it is one of a kind. Moses wrote Psalms 90. It is the only one in the book of Psalms written by Moses. I've often wondered what time during his life he wrote this particular song. For those of you who... Know something about the Old Testament, you know, that Moses lived 120 years. He spent the first 40 years in the court of Pharaoh. You remember, it was his mother who put him in the river and and the daughter of Pharaoh uh, found him and she took him and reared him in the court of Pharaoh. And then for 40 years, God sent him to the Midian desert where he uh, tended the flocks of Jethro. And then you remember the burning bush experience when God called him to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt and into the wilderness. And he spent the last 40 years uh, in the wilderness. And God would not permit Moses to go into the promised land. Somewhere in that 120 years, and I know that's a long time, but about... Oh, eight or ten years ago I was asked to speak at some church and there was a preacher there who was 106 years old and his mind was sharp and I was envious. But um, I want us to look at the verses and we're going to go through them. I believe the Lord has something for us today. The Holy Spirit said through Moses, Lord... You have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And we'll work our way through that, but I want to begin by saying that the last of May and the first of June is the time when graduates from high school and from college, uh, graduate and one of their requirements for graduation is that they have to uh, listen to boring commencement speakers and uh, I guarantee for those of you who have graduated you probably don't remember anything those folks said. I uh, listened to in 1957 when I graduated from high school and 1961 when I graduated from college and 19... 71, when I graduated from seminary, I was real smart. I finished a three-year degree in five years, and, <clears throat> but I don't remember anything that was said. But there was one young man, and by the way, I got my revenge because I have spoken at three uh, graduation exercises, one or two at the high school and then one at the private school here in the county. Now, there was a young man who thought he would shock the students by telling them that uh, because they have a tendency not to listen to the speaker. And he said this. This was a young man whose name I do not know. He said, "Uh, you young people believe that today will be the way it will always be. And, of course, we who have lived a, a bit longer know that Life does not stay the same. Life is not static. Life is full of changes. And I believe that what Moses is attempting to do in Psalm 90 is to give us a biblical view of life and a biblical view of the world. Now, everybody has some view of life. Whatever you want to call it, how you look at life, how you see your life, how you live your life, that is your view of life. And Moses begins in the first place with having a tremendous perspective, and I believe it is the right perspective because he begins by saying that you have been God, you have been Lord, you have been our dwelling place. And by the way, the the word Lord translated in English is the word in Hebrew, Shaddai, which means the God who is more than sufficient for every situation. And so as Moses writes, he is saying that the great God who is sufficient for the troubles in our lives, for the crises in our lives, you have been our dwelling place. This is where we have chosen to live, Moses said. And keep in mind that Moses led the children of Israel. He was one of the ten talented men of the Old Testament. And he was living with the truth that oftentimes we fail to keep in mind during the troubling seasons of our life. That regardless of what happens, we believe that God is sovereign. That's what he is saying. He said, before the mountains were born or you brought forth the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting. He is saying that God who is timeless, you and I are rooted in time. We're very time conscious. We're conscious of minutes. We're conscious of those things in our lives that uh, keep us almost slaves to the calendar or to the watch. But God is from everlasting to everlasting. He is the God of the past, the present, and the future. And he is saying, Moses I'm saying, that the God whom we believe, the God whom we serve, the God in whom we believe is the God who is more than sufficient. We have people today here, you're going through a difficult time, a grieving time, or maybe you're facing a, a serious health problem, even in those difficulties, Moses is saying that God is sovereign. As I um, think about the world in which we live, and I used to be an addicted news watcher, not so much anymore, but every time you turn on the news, you wonder what China is going to do next, what will happen to Taiwan in the next two years. You wonder what's going to happen in Ukraine, whether or not Putin will use a a nuclear option. You wonder what has happened to Afghanistan. Then you come home, and every time you turn on the TV, it seems like somebody is being shot in Roanoke or some store is being robbed. Thirty years ago, I don't believe that was true. We're living in a day of malignant lawlessness and you wonder what is going to happen, there are people who are actually asking the question, where, if we keep on the journey we're on in America, where in the world will we be in 20 or 30 years if the Lord does not return? It is, I believe, a comfort to every one of us to believe that regardless of all the stuff that we face the things that trouble our hearts, the grief that we go through, the health problems that we have, that we have a God whose name is El Shaddai, the God who is sufficient for every situation. I believe in Moses' life, it did him well to reflect on the fact that God was sovereign. This is what he is saying. The word Lord is El Shaddai, the God who can meet us in every situation in life. In fact, he goes on in verse 3 when he says, You turn men back to dust, saying, Return to dust, O sons of men. And then he says at verse 4, For a thousand years in your sight, or like a day, or just a gone by, or a watch in the night. A watch was usually about three hours. For, for the Lord, uh, He is timeless. And we are rooted in time. We come from the dust. I was having my quiet time sometime this week, and it occurred to me, I was reading in the Bible where the Lord uh, says to us that uh, we came from dust, and to dust we will return. And that's true. The Bible also says the Lord knows our frame. He understands our weakness. He knows our frame, and He remembers that we are dust. And so God is sympathetic to us who rooted in time. For us who suffer with health problems. To us who go through grieving process. The God who is El Shaddai is sympathetic towards us. God is timeless. He is from everlasting to everlasting. A thousand years is just a watch in the night. But God is timeless, and we are rooted in time. And God is sovereign, but he is also sympathetic to our situation. Then the second thing that I glean from this text is that we have in our lives a, a troublesome predicament. And by that, I mean that in verse 7, he says this. He said, We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. Moses was a sinner. You remember what happened. He had been raised in the royalty of uh, of the Pharaoh's court and he came out. He had not forgotten his Jewishness because you see, uh, he knew he was a Jew and he knew that His Jewish family, his Jewish nation was in slavery and he noticed an Egyptian abusing a Jew and he killed the Egyptian and then he had to flee for his wife, for his life and he wound up in the Midian desert. He was a sinner. You and I are sinners. It was Karl Barth when we were singing Uh, that Jesus loves me. Karl Barth was a neo-Orthodox, but he was a man of a giant of an intellect, and he was a theologian. And when I was in seminary, I heard a lot about Karl Barth. But one time, someone asked Karl Barth, what is the most important thought or truth that you've ever discovered? Now, this was a man of an eminent intellect, and this is what Karl Barth said. Jesus loves me, this I know. And folks, that is fundamental. We must understand that all we are in our sinfulness, God in Jesus Christ loves us, and He died for us. And the very fundamental of what we believe as the people of God is that regardless of what happens in our lives, God loves us. Bart says, that's the most profound truth that I have ever discovered. We are are sinners. And you remember when Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt and across the Red Sea, the the miracle hand of God provided a way. And and they walked across on dry land. And you say, preacher, do you really believe that happened? Yes, I do. I'm one of these old-fashioned preachers. I I don't understand everything in the Bible, but I believe the Bible. We're living in the day of moral relativism. We're, we're living in a day that is called uh, postmodernism. Postmodernism is really that there is no absolute truth. Frederick Nietzsche was a philosopher, and he said, there is no truth, there is only interpretation. I want to say to you today there is truth in the Word of God. And there may be preachers and there may be movements to say there's no absolute truth, but I believe in all of the shifting sands of morality and cultural change that we who are the people of God must be rooted in the Word of God. Therefore, it behooves us as the people... Who believe that because we are sinners, and 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 I, I found uh, it, it's not a problem for me to admit that I I'm a sinner because I just you know we sin, and and we need the forgiveness of God. And when God uh, led I, Israel out of Egypt, you remember one of the first things that happens if you if you go to Numbers eleven, you will find that. Even the hand of God parted the Red Sea. They walked across. They saw the miracle of God. And when they got into the wilderness, in Numbers chapter 11, listen, I I wrote it down so I could read it to you. It says, the people, talking about the Israelites, the people complained about their hardships in the hearing of the Lord. Where God could hear they began, even after God had miraculously provided a way of escape, they began to complain about their hardships. And if you read further, it says God got angry. So my point is, if you want God to get angry, just start complaining. And that's easy to do, isn't it? You know, it's easier to complain than it is to compliment somebody. It's easy to complain about this and that and the other. Why? Because by nature we're sinners. That's what we have a tendency to do. And, and it is because of God's mercy and God's grace that He allows us to do that. As Christians, I have discovered for myself and for you and for everybody else that I know who follows the name of Christ, it's easy for us to sin. And I include myself in that. And sin, you know, has a tendency to separate separate us from the Lord, separate us from each other, separate husbands from wives, separates us in the church, tears up churches. It's amazing how many Southern Baptist churches have been started because they had a split in the church. And it's crazy. We, we, We argue over what color to paint the bathroom doesn't make any difference we need to stay wedded to the preaching of the word and the teaching of the word and 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 we're not always going to agree you see we we need to be uh, unified there's a difference by the way between unity and union in the church we should work towards Unity. There will not always be, we'll not always agree on everything. I heard somebody put it this way if you were to take two alley cats and tie their tails together and put them over a fence post, you got union, but you don't have unity. <laughs> uh, you got the point. And therefore, we who are the people of God need to understand that what the Bible says in the Old Testament, and uh, I think Psalms 127, how good, no, Psalms 133, how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. And as you call a pastor, I, I pray that you will keep that in mind and to recognize we. We won't always agree on everything. And, and because of that, we still work together and pray together and serve together and worship together. And then in verse 9 and 10, he says, All our days pass away under your wrath, and we finish our years with a moan. And the length of our days is 70 years or 80. If we have the strength, yet their span is but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. See, uh, Moses is kind of summing up life. And when you sum up life, it, it, it's first of all, life is short. Um, I've, I've told you this before, but my mother was almost 96, and not long before she died, I said, Mom, is, has life been short? She says, has been short. Of course, I never thought I'd live to be 83, but, boy, it's been short. When we came here, we had two children. One was uh, six weeks old and one was 17 months old. And it just seems like a couple of years ago. It's been a little longer than that. If you don't believe it, ask Deborah. (laughs) Time, life is short. And that's what he is saying here. We may have 70 years or, due to strength, 80 but what is it? Trouble and sorrow. And because life is filled with trouble and sorrow. Isn't it in the Proverbs where it says man is born into trouble as the sparks fly upward? You say, well, preacher, you're being pessimistic. No, I'm not. I'm being realistic. And because life is difficult and because we grieve and because our loved ones die and because people get cancer... We must recognize the God that we serve is Shaddai, the God who is more than sufficient for every situation. And therefore he is saying to us because life is short. I got time. And then he 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 and and it's true. And, and we have these wonderful children sitting here, and I, I just rejoice. I, I love to see them the way they run out, and I, I, just, I just love watching children because they're on the front end of life, and, and it's filled with joy. But yet, the years pass, and there are those of us who the Lord has allowed to live however long we've allowed to live. And I, and I say to you that because life is short, we need to have a biblical view of life. I don't know what's going to happen to America. I know the answer is not in politicians, but I believe it is the people of God who will pray and humble themselves. We need an old-fashioned revival in America. And Then... And then he says something, and I want to say something about this verse It's true. In verse 12, and let's light there for the next several minutes. He says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. I remember working my way through college, and in the summertime, I, I worked as much as I could. I would work 12 hours or uh, as much as they would let me work, I would work because I, I, I had to make money in order to return to college. And I remember I was, I was coming from work. I think I, ha- I was working the night shift. That was from 11 to night, 7 in the morning. I hated that shift. Can't sleep in the daytime. And, and I was going home, and I remembered it. I was about 19, and I, I remembered this verse. So teach us to number our days. Teach us to recognize that we are rooted in time. We're not going to live forever. Teach us to know the significance of time. Time is short. Life is short. Death is sure. Eternity is a long time. So teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Now, folks, the word wisdom, we play with that word a lot. and A person may be highly educated, but not be a person of wisdom. Actually, the word wisdom has to do with the word of understanding. Lord, let me understand life from your perspective. Teach me to number my days to know the significance of being rooted in time, and give me a heart of wisdom. What does that mean? I already had this sermon written, and I think it was night before last, maybe about 11 o'clock. I, I was not at all satisfied with how I, had, and I, I, y'all think I just get up here and preach, but I don't. <laughs> <clears throat> and I began to ask, and I, 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 I said, Lord, show me what, it really means to have a, an understanding of the biblical view of life. And I wrote down three things. And, and, and you may have three different things. And I'm not saying that this is the, the last word. I, I know it's not. But first, I believe in the context of, of what it means to have a heart of wisdom as a Christian and what it means to have a biblical view of life, what it means to recognize that God is sovereign, and regardless of what's happening in this country, or Taiwan, or Ukraine, or Russia, or whatever, God is still in control. It doesn't look like it sometime, but according to the Bible, God is in control. It is man's sinfulness that's got us in this situation. And I hope you pray for the war in Ukraine. I do. First of all, it means to live each day because you believe every day is a gift from God. Folks, when you get up, if the Lord allows you to get up in the morning, you you take that as a gift from God. Don't take any day for it. I was looking in the obituaries this week, and, and, and there was a young man who was killed in an accident, and, 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 and years ago he attended, I don't even remember his name, but he attended Franklin Heights, and he was like 50-something, went out into eternity. Every day is a gift from God. Every day should be lived with understanding that we are who we are by the grace of God. And I think that is true. And and, and look in verse fourteen. He says, uh, "Verse satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad in our days." Folks, we need to to develop a a mindset that that we're we're going to be appreciative and going to be thankful. Oftentimes, as I close my day in prayer and. In the mornings, as I get up in prayer, I, I, uh, I, th- I thank God that I have a home that doesn't leak, and and don't laugh. There are people, folks in this county, who don't have enough food to eat, and and we who are God's people who are well clothed and we have homes and it's warm and cool and 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 I thank God I have a. A car to drive. I thank God that I can go to the food market or the grocery store and buy food to eat. Folks, those are blessings from God. And so the first thing that I wrote down, and I'm going to hurry and get through, is to live each day as a gift of God. The second thing is, as a Christian, try to get to know the Lord better now what do i mean by that the prophet said we need to press on to know the lord in the new testament paul says that we need to press on that we need to as christians and not just to be saved but to to seek the lord in prayer and to read god's word and to come and worship and learn and and press on to know the lord I know my wife a lot better now after 61 years than we did when we first got married. I mean, she doesn't even have to tell me when she feels bad. I can tell it. And see, when we get to, to, to know the Lord, even Peter says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow. Folks, we need to have a desire to grow as Christians and to to know the Lord better that at, at almost 84 years of age, I, I believe, and, 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 and some of you are going to think I've stopped preaching and gone to meddling, but let me get through, so sit up and smile. I, I want to ask you, to, in the busyness of your life, for those who work, for those who are retired, whatever your station in life, Do do you have a time every day that you can give to the Lord in reading His Word and prayer? I'm not talking about once in a while. I'm talking about every day. Uh, You know, even you need to start, even if it's just ten minutes, where you get along and get away from the cell phone, which is the curse of our civilization. And and, and we need to read God's Word and ask God, if we believe it is true, to ask God to speak to us and let us get to know Him and to press on and and have a time of prayer. There are people here, right here, that I'm preaching to right now, that I pray for regularly. We, We ought to have a prayer life. Because to get to know the Lord. And thirdly, and I'm getting ready to land this plane, is as a Christian, look for ways to minister to people. I'm not going to tell you how much time I spend in prayer and reading God's Word in the morning, but it's more than 10 minutes. And I often will pray, Lord, I don't, I don't, I don't know what today will be, and I, but, Lord, I, I want you to be in charge. I, I want you to lead me, and if there's somebody that you want me to minister to, bring them into my life today. And uh, it was uh, Friday, and <clears throat> I went by, um, I went by a store. Somebody told me they had fresh tomatoes. If you and find a fresh tomato, tell me, because the one I paid a lot of money for came from New York or someplace. (laughs) But while I was there, and I was getting ready to leave, I heard heard this young man, he say, can you give me a ride? And I looked at him, and I could tell he was crippled, and I don't mean just a little crippled. And I said, well, which way are you going? I was headed into town, and you might guess that he was headed towards Pharaoh. And I said, okay, I'll give you a ride. And then that short ride, it wasn't long. It was three miles, four miles, I don't know. I began to have an opportunity to, to witness to this young man. And I say young, I think he told me he was 51, and, and, and he was crippled, and, and I said, How in the world did you get to where, to the, to, to, to the market? He said, I walked. It took him uh, two hours, I think, maybe. But I began to share with him about the Lord, and, and he thanked me, and I gave him a, a gospel tract. What I'm saying to you folks, if you will ask the Lord to, allow you to be His instrument, to minister to somebody, to pray for people, not only will that help that person, but it will help you. And so I believe what it means to give us a heart of, of wisdom, it means to live each day as a gift from God. It means to press on, to get to know the Lord better. It means to look to ways that you can minister to other people. Psalms 90, written by Moses, gives us a biblical view of life. God is sovereign. God is sympathetic towards us. And then he prays and some good things happen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word today and we ask, Lord, that... in a special way as as the workers come back tonight to work and to share, teach these precious children. Lord, you you said, let the little children come to me and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of heaven. So, Lord, we pray for these good workers and we ask you to bless them. I pray, Lord, if anything has been said today that, would merit you reminding us through the week that you are in control, that you are sympathetic. and Lord, we just ask you to remind me. Lord, thank you that in our sinfulness you still love us and that we are saved by your amazing grace. And I make this prayer in Christ's name. Amen. Stephanie and the group is going to lead us in an invitational hymn. And if you have a prayer burden on your heart or someone that you want to share with me, then you come and we'll sing.